Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. I'm actually going to start a new series today, and I know I didn't finish completely the first John series, but I will do that. I'm going to just do a video to wrap up the fifth chapter in that. But this first message in this series, anytime I start a new series, it's, um, it's, it's, so it's called Purpose-Filled Life. And I want to talk about the idea of aiming at something and living from a sense of purpose and, you know, surrendering your life to God, but actually living for something rather than just bouncing around. You know, a lot of us are like pinball machines. We wake up in the morning, we get shot out of the bed, and we bounce around all day long, and then we fall back down in the chute in the middle as if we've lost, and then that's it. Wake up the next day and you get shot out of the chute again and bounce around. You know, you don't have to live that way. You know that? You don't have to live that. You can live on purpose. You can live intentionally. You can live from a place where maybe not everything works out. We lose people. Things happen. Life happens. But your course is set. And that's what I want to talk about over the next few weeks is our charting a course, staying on course. And so the image that I have for this series is a boat, right? A sailboat with multiple sails, and it's parked at the dock. As long as that thing's parked at the dock, it's going nowhere. But if it launches and sets sail, no matter which way the wind blows, no matter if the storms come, if it's moving, it can always change course and get back on course. It can always move and redirect itself and get back on course, you know. Uh, one of the powerful phrases that I've heard that, that kind of is going to undergird this series is, uh, God can bless a good decision. He can change a bad decision but he can't do anything with indecision. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And so we want to chart a course. You know, we want to know what God would have us to do. And this kind of mirrors the series we did a few weeks ago or a few months ago or whenever it was, you know, talking about assignments and, and things like that. And we will get into some of that detail. I want to talk about Abraham and Paul and these guys that made terrible mistakes Horrible. Every single person, you know, like murderers wrote two-thirds of the Bible. You realize that? Like, the, like, like God can use messed up people and does and he will. I mean, Paul, the apostle Paul was killing Christians and thought he was justified in doing so. Your mistakes, God can still use you. Amen? So... This series, I'm going to start by talking about myself. I don't really like that a whole lot, but I feel like it's appropriate for this. So I want to start it actually by just kind of talking about our, our trip. I've got a few uh, photos. If you want to go ahead and put the first photo up there. So Sarah and I, Sarah is in Florida, by the way. We got home, uh, launched into the, actually pull that down. Sorry, I'm not ready yet. You put the, put the scene up of the, the mountain. We'll start there. Um, Sarah's in Florida. Hey, babe. Not that one. The one where there's no people in it. <laughs> uh, so 
you know, Sarah and I, so we're coming up on, it's just, it's a big month, right? Uh, next weekend is a double whammy because next weekend we're actually celebrating our 12th year as a church. And, you know, half of our people, yeah, you can clap for that, praise God. We started in our living room. Why don't I got like started from the bottom? Now we're here. Somebody was singing that song. You kids that know that song. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, but so we started in our living room 12 years ago in October. But it's also a year to the day that mom passed, October 18th. So it might, it might take me a minute to kind of get through this. But so we're going to celebrate something that is incredibly rewarding and, and fruitful and personal, but then also losing her all on the same weekend. And so there's a, there's a picnic. It is next weekend, right? And our right. picnic yeah, Sunday. next Sunday after church. And it's in Old Town Sharpsburg. We, we did one there before underneath that pavilion. Everybody's invited. You guys watching online, drive in from wherever you are and come celebrate with us. <laughs> and that's not so unusual as I've learned this weekend and this past week. So let me try and get this story out. And then I actually do have some scripture and I want to you know, do a little bit of a teaching on this, but I'll, I'll tell you a little bit of the past week. So um, we have been on this message. And when I say this message, I mean the gospel. It's just the gospel. It's the good news of the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's the good news that God loves us. It's the good news that Jesus, that God sent Jesus. Basically, God emptied himself, became a human, lived a perfect life, which qualified him to be the sin offering for the whole world. The old covenant law, the old covenant system was a, was a type and shadow of the real thing. And the real thing is that God himself emptied himself, became a human, lived a perfect and sinless life, not to show us that we need to be perfect and sinless, but to be the spotless lamb, to be the sin offering that could take upon himself the, whole, the penalty and the punishment for breaking the law. And he, so Jesus was that. He became sin. He was cursed for us, and he died in our place. The full penalty of the law was on him. In him, he became that, and he died, and he went into the grave, and in that grave, he conquered death. He conquered hell. He rose with his own blood. He ascended into the heavenly holy of holies. He offered his own blood to cleanse that place. There's a lot that I don't understand about that, but there is a lot that I do understand about it. It's not that heaven is corrupt because God can't be corrupted, but there is a place that somehow was affected that we are, that like, like humans are so connected with God that that place had to be cleansed with the blood of Christ. You know, and it says that when that happens, Satan was cast out. The accuser of the brethren is no longer standing before the presence of God accusing you to him. Amen? And there's kind of like this little thing that is so interesting. When, remember when Jesus was resurrected and he saw Mary and he said, don't touch me, I've not yet ascended to the Father. That's a clue back to the old covenant priesthood because when on the Yom Kippur, one day a year atonement, the priest would bring the sacrifice. Every other time, the people would bring the sacrifices, but the priest would bring the sacrifice and the priest would do everything. The high priest would preside over everything, which he didn't necessarily always do. But that, that atonement was for the entire nation of Israel. And I think some of those people were probably still in sin. Is it okay to sin? 
Should you continue in sin? Thank you. It's weird that people think that that's what you're saying when you preach the gospel. But they accused Paul of it too, so, you know, we're in good company. So, um, that blood is there as a testimony of our righteousness. And that is what we will preach. And that is, so when I preach, I want to speak to the part of you that has been cleansed. The part of you that has been perfected and made eternal and that God has joined his spirit to you. Amen? So that message is growing. You know, people are waking up to it. I think people have believed it all along. And it's not that unique. It's just not focused on because Christianity is so performance driven. It's so focused on the external, right? Now, a lot of what church is, is dealing with all of those weird things and traumas and failures because we have not yet let God heal us in those areas. And so we still run these destructive sin patterns. And so we need to learn how to let God love us. And that's why we gather together so we can encourage each other and lift each other up and be a blessing in each other's lives. And I, I love that. I love you people. <laughs> I do. I mean, it's like, you know, it's not preaching to me. I was just around a bunch of preachers, and most of them are preaching this message, but sometimes I'm around different groups of preachers, and it's like they're worn out. They have a hard time, you know. They, like, have a hard time coming up with messages. I'm like, are you kidding me? Really? Just get up there and talk about God. Talk about Jesus. But people try to get all technical and everything. But anyway, so this past week... Um, I was invited to speak. So you can put that first one up. So this is, this is Hans Erlinson, or he says Erlinson. I don't know. I'll just say Erlinson. Can you say Erlinson? He, he might be watching, actually. He watches a lot of times. But Hans is a connector. Hans is a guy that um, I, I only knew him remotely. But so he organized the Activate Conference which was in um, Windsor, Colorado, which is about an hour north of Denver. And so I got to minister to that. And then after that, we drove down to Andrew Womack's um, minister's conference. But God has connected us with Hans, and Hans is a guy. Hans has a painting business, but he ministers to ministers, and he has you know ministry. He, has, he does have Hans Erland Ministries. I would encourage you to go check out his stuff. He's getting ready to put some messages out there. But what, what I, so for the next few minutes, I'll kind of talk about how God is connecting Sarah and I with other ministers and really this church as well. I want to kind of have some of these people come through as we get to know them, expose you to some of these people. And it's encouraging because there are other people out there actually preaching the gospel. You know, and it's funny because we would swap stories. All these people have the same kinds of stories. Uh, they also in their town have other churches warning them to stay away from their churches like we do, and accusing us of greasy grace and all that kind of nonsense. But anyway, so Hans is awesome. And then the next picture, this is, um, you know, I will forgive you for your lusting after the beautiful scenery that we got to experience out there. But anyway, so this is April and Greg McCrimmon, and they're, they have... Uh, like couples, like marriage ministry, and they do things one-on-one -on -one right now, but we're probably talking about bringing them down for a weekend of a, of a marriage retreat that will be easy. But So, he, so uh, Greg is just, and there's Hoyt down there on the bottom right. You guys see Hoyt, the black lab. He's awesome. But anyway, Greg, he was, so this peak is a, like a 14,000 uh, 14, plus peak, and he, was t he used to be a, al he, uh, on the Alpine rescue team. 
and like recover bodies. I mean, like the crazy stuff. Bodies that would think that they could get up there and walk in the snow and fall and, you know, they don't. Yeah, so he's like seen some crazy stuff. But anyway, they, um, th and they hosted us in, uh, I forget the name of the town that they're in, but they're connected with Hans and they put on this conference and we got to minister with a bunch of them. I don't have the photo from the minister's conference of the other people, but these are some of the people that came to the conference. These guys are all from Florida and these guys all watch online and came, you know, well, because they know, they've known Hans for a while. They came not just for us, but they do watch and they're using our materials. So the girl on the left with the jean jacket on with the dark hair, that's Daphne. And she actually has a home church and they may be watching as well. I don't want to say hello if you're watching, but they use our materials in their services sometimes. So again, this is the part where I'm going to talk about myself a little bit, which I don't particularly care to do, but I think it's beneficial that we as a church get to see the scope of what God is doing. You know, even a church this size, God is taking these materials and putting them out there and it's pretty amazing what we get to do. So they consider us their home church and they are using other materials. I think right now she's doing a study of Revelation, brave girl, brave woman. She's diving in deep. But anyway, they watch our services online sometimes and then they're also helped by um, Ashton and Jake there. And then, of course, that's, I think that's Ben back there, but there, he's part of what they do. You can go to the next one. So from that conference, we went down to Andrew's conference, um, Andrew Womack Ministries. How many of you have never heard of Andrew Womack? Just a couple of you. Okay, good. Um, I would encourage you to get into his stuff. So he has Karis Bible College. And Karis started in um, Colorado, there in Woodland Park, Colorado. Courtney graduated from the Atlanta branch of Karis Bible College. It's incredible. If anybody wants a, you know, a, a deep, just dedicated training, I would. You guys met there, right? Blake and Travis met at. You guys went out there, met each other, and then came home, <laughs> right? Something like that. Uh, so. We actually first met Andrew in 1997, right after we got married, or it may have been 96 before we got, either way, um, Jim Richards, who's our pastor, who I went to his Bible college in Huntsville, uh, he and Andrew used to do meetings years ago, and they're really kind of pioneers in this modern presentation of this finished work gospel. So we got to see him um, and just connect with him again. He, he, I don't think he really, he probably meets 10,000 people a year, but once I refresh who we are, he kind of, oh yeah, yeah. But anyway, he's awesome. So this is his new facility. He's actually in the middle of a lawsuit because the governor of Colorado um, sent out a, an order to their local officials to go shut down their meetings. Now, they did put out, just like our governor did in the beginning, a 30-day you know, close everything down for 30 days, and then legally they can only extend that for another 30 days, which would have been 60 total, and now they're like way past that. It's like 120 or something. So the governor sent down a word to the local officials to go shut down these meetings, and um, they said no, and then the sheriff was contacted, and the sheriff said, no, I'm not going to go over there and arrest him and shut down these meetings. So praise God for that sheriff, right? Yeah. So they are actually involved in a lawsuit over the First Amendment to protect their right. You know, government shall make no law 
prohibiting the gathering, you know? Assembly of, yeah. You know, you, you know the thing. <laughs> Brush up on my constitution. Um, bless his heart. Bless his heart. All right, so then the next one. So pray for Andrew and their ministry. Next picture, please. Somebody wake Philip up back there. The mouse needs to be woken up. You can hit next on the keyboard to the right. You should be able to. Anyway, so there's a couple more photos of some other people that we've connected with as well. But it was just, it was just so great to get to minister with people of like mind and they be ministered to by people of like mind and reconnect some people like Shannon and Carr and Carol who they're South African, but they pastor a church down in Florida. We've known them forever. We got to spend some time with them and hang out with them and reconnect. And they're probably doing church right now, but they watch sometimes. Um, it just it just was really good. It was, you know, it was just kind of, not that Sarah, you know, we were talking about this, and I had the exact same, oh, and then, and then there's another pastor over in Birmingham, a guy named Mark Matchin. He and his wife, Jennifer, have Life of Faith Church over there. And we were talking and we were sharing. It's like, you know, coming, a lot of people that go to those retreats, they're ministers that are beat down and worn out and, you know, difficult time with their people and all this. And we were sitting there. It's like, I mean, things are pretty good. You know, I mean, the, the most difficult time that we have is when you guys are hurting. You know, either you've gone through. Yes, this is so this is Shannon and Karen in the middle. And then next to Sarah is Sandra and Seth. They're the Duns, and then over on the other side, the two girls together, they're the daughters of Dave and Bonnie Duell, who have Faith Ministries International. That's Denise Capra, the, the wife of Dennis Capra, who also, they have a church up in Kansas City. When They've known Andrew and Jim forever. We've known them for quite a while, but it's good to be reconnected. When we were there, uh, Andrew asked Dennis, her husband, to come and do the, the weekly Bible study. Andrew does a weekly Bible study. So that's who we hung out with and sat with. Um, and then you can just put that last picture up. So we, Sarah booked us a place to go, and then, aw. This is so cute. She's so cute. <laughs> but behind us is, uh, the, is Aspens, and they turn golden, and it's just beautiful out there. So, um, but anyway, so Mark and I were chatting, and we were just talking about the ministry, and we were like, you know, I mean, we, we actually kind of like it. We kind of like being pastors, and we like, because, you know, it's funny, you go to these ministers' conferences sometimes, which is one of the reasons I don't go, and they complain. <laughs> they complain about being in the ministry, and they complain about their people, and they complain about this and that, and they're trying to find something else, and, you know, they're ready, they're half one, one foot in and half one foot out, you know, and, and they're beat down, and I'm like, man, you know, you guys need to understand how to do ministry from the finished work. Understand, you know, I remember when we first started, one of the decisions I made in my mind was to trust the Holy Spirit for you more than I trust me for you. And so I feel like I just get up here every week and paint a picture of God, and you look at that picture and you get out of it what God is speaking to you, right? And so I think back, we, Sarah and I got married in 1997, and again, I'm, there's a lot of things happening that we're talking about. You know, we're, we're our anniversary, mom, this trip, 
new series. I'm wanting to kind of inspire you to step forward. So it's a little bit different than what I would normally do. But I'm just thinking back of when I got saved and then when I went five years later, went to church, which so I wasn't raised in church, didn't go to church as soon as I got saved. This was probably a good thing. I just read the Bible and spent time with the Holy Spirit. And then five years after I got saved, went to this church that my mom had met the pastor's wife, and that guy was preaching grace and new covenant. He was preaching gym stuff. That's Pastor David Michael, David and Erlene Michael. Um, but, you know, I remember, I remember sitting there watching Pastor David thinking, that's what I'm going to do. It just, I just knew it. But I didn't know that there was a calling. Right? I didn't know that God told you to do things. I didn't have this performance track of thinking that I had to run into the ministry. And in some, some circles, that's like the ultimate goal, right? Be in the ministry. Like when I get my ministry one day, when I start my church one day, or when I get to travel one day, or what, you, ever, you ever been in those kind of circles where it's like that's the ultimate goal, where you're, like, you're less than a Christian if you're not in the ministry? That's baloney. Say baloney. In the Greek, that's blah, blah, blah. But it's true. You know, we need the body of Christ active in every area of life, right? If God calls you into the ministry, then go into the ministry. But otherwise, you commit your heart to love people and honor Him, right? So before I ever even knew the, the idea of a calling, I just knew that's what we're going to do. We're going to spend the rest of our life telling people about the love of God. And that guy walked us through. We were there for about five years. And then in 2000, we moved to Huntsville to go to uh, Impact Jim's ministry school, which now I'm working with Jim, and we're going to go back. He's asked me to reteach some of his older classes, so that's a project that I'll be doing. I'll be working on with me and a few other the Capras, and then another guy named Nate Tanner who I met. Um, he's re-preaching some as well, or teaching, so pray for me because I've got a lot of work to do here and there and just in general, So, but I'm, I'm, I love it. Um, so I will be teaching on video some of those classes that Jim will use on his online school, but then they also put them on these flash drives and send them all over the world. There's this guy, Nate, travels around, and I don't know how many Bible schools he's started, but this ministry, this, this church, what you guys are a part of, you know, and it's not just me, it's us collectively because you guys have things that you're doing as well. I'm just doing my part, right, and you're doing your part. And it's not that you're doing your part for me and you're not doing your part so that I can do my part. We do our parts collectively. I just happen to have this role. Amen? And you have your role. And, but anyway, the thing about being in the ministry, it's like some of those circles you're made to feel like that you're less than if you're not in the ministry. And so when those guys preach about being in the ministry or preach about what it looks like to follow God, it curiously looks a lot like those guys. You ever noticed that? Anyway. So I wanted to walk through Romans 12 as a setup for this series to kind of give you something to think about over these next few weeks that we're going to talk about because God is building his body and you are important. Say, I'm important. I'm important. You have a part in the body of Christ. You have a very specific and unique part in the body of Christ. I personally, and I might walk through this, but just the Cliff's notes, you know, your, your purpose, so like we all wonder, God, why did you put me here? Well, I'll tell you why he put you here. It, because He created all things for his good pleasure. God wanted children, and he created the human race, 
And when you acknowledge God as your Father and you receive Christ, your purpose, in other words, why God made you, is fulfilled. God didn't create you to do a job for Him. He gave birth to you because He loves children. And He knew you even before you were in your mother's womb. And the fact that you're breathing air and you recognize that God is your Father and that Jesus is your Savior... Your purpose, the why, is finished. But now that you're here and now that you recognize God as your Father and you are born again and have the Spirit of the living God dwelling within you, God has assignments for us, right? And your acceptance with Him is not dependent upon whether or not you find out and fulfill those assignments, but don't you want to do the things that God would ask you to do? I do. Like, if God, if Jesus were to appear in front of me and ask me to do something, I know what it is. I am 100% certain that God asked us and inspired us to do what we are doing, Sarah and I. And, and I won't ask you if you're 100% certain if you're doing what God would ask you to do, because I'm not trying to beat us up, but I want to inspire you to just turn your heart toward him and follow him. You know, it just starts with loving people, loving people intentionally. And then you might kind of just stumble along those things. There are assignments that are for a day, for a year, and for a lifetime, right? There are all different kinds of assignments that God might have for you. Starting businesses, playing in bands, having, you know, whatever it might be. So don't minimize your opportunities to follow God. Don't minimize your opportunities to love people. Some of y'all's first calling is to love your children. That's your first assignment, and that's your most important assignment right now, a lot of you. And why? Because that kid's going to grow up and affect the world. That kid's going to grow up and affect other people and follow God and follow Jesus. And you have no idea the things that you're putting into that child right now, how they're going to bear fruit to glorify the kingdom in decades to come. Amen? Don't minimize any opportunity that you get to minister and influence others for the kingdom. But we'll walk through Romans 12, and then we'll wrap it up. And then, again, I'm going to continue on this for a few weeks. So if you want to go ahead and start working on that. <clears throat> you know, we talk about Romans 12, too, a lot because we focus on transformation, mind renewal unto transformation a, a lot in this church. And with the gospel, renewing your mind, getting the Word of God in your heart to experience transformation, to bring glory to God, we focus on that a lot. And that's where the first couple of passages are, but it's interesting to see where it goes. So a couple of different things I'm going to bring up. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer a... I don't, what translation? did You're in the NIV, right? Okay, good. Uh, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So in other words, show up. Say, show up. My friend Jimmy Bratcher, that's what he preaches. It's like one of his best messages. He says, look, I don't know what God's called me to do. I can play the guitar, but mostly I have the gift of showing up. Say, show up. That's your first thing. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Let me, let me just stop there for just a moment. This is something that I want to unpack maybe in the coming weeks. Don't conform to the pattern of the world. Man, right now in an election season, we are being hammered, aren't we? And it's ridiculous. As, it's as if we, the, like, 
whoever is elected president is going to be our savior or something like that. It's like whoever is elected president is going to change the world and get finally usher in the things that God, that the church really should be doing. So it is important. Obviously, it is important. There is a way of God that is more reflected in one candidate than the other. You know, and this is something that I think I have found some language to talk about. And, and, I, and I, I'm not trying to promote a candidate as much as I'm talking about righteousness and evil. Now, I'm not saying Republicans are righteous and Democrats are evil. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, I was watching a video. I don't remember when it was. Maybe yesterday. It was just kind of unwinding. And there is a pro-life Democrat, uh, Democrats for pro-life. They're out there. You know, there are people that love Jesus that are Democrats. And, and so it's the, we can't let the constructs of this world divide us from our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, we may disagree with certain things, and certain things are downright evil. Abortion is evil, is murder, and we know which party wants that. You know, our president now was the first gay marriage-affirming president before he went in office. That's not how God created things. That's not the natural order of things, right? But it's not that the left is evil or even Donald Trump is evil because he desires that. But that in and of itself is not the way God created things to function. It, you know. So conforming after the pattern of this world is something that we have to make sure that, we are, that our minds are being conformed after the patterns of the ways of God. Very simply, the definition of righteousness is as it should be. Like if you look up righteousness, the simplest definition is as it should be. You are as you should be before God because he has given you his spirit, he has cleansed you, he has saved you. You are in right standing with God. You are as you should be before God because of the work that he's done. Now you may not act like it, you may make choices that are directly contradictory to your, your spiritual state, but as far as how God sees you, you are righteous. You are as you should be. Interestingly, and I don't know that I knew this, but there's a part of the definition of evil that is as it ought not to be. Very simple. Righteousness as it should be, evil as it ought not to be. Or in other words, that ain't right. You know, country boys, we got a little country. I mean, I got a knife in my pocket. Sometimes I forget to take that out. But you see things that are against God's natural order of creation that we're, we don't want to reject or demonize people, but there are choices that are made and lifestyles that are made, and that ain't right, which is evil. And evil doesn't mean they're worshiping the devil, you know what I mean? Some of those guys are, but anyway... There, it just means it's against God's natural order. And so how do we, as the body of Christ, stand up for God's natural order of things? How do we stand up for how he sees things, for what is right and as it should be in his kingdom? And it's not that the people that are making choices that ain't right, that we go after them with guilt and condemnation and law, because that doesn't work. The strength of sin is the law. We go after them with love. But we do hold up the standard of righteousness as it should be, God's natural order of things and the way he created things. 
right? And it's difficult sometimes because we want to be loving, but you can't compromise on that stuff because people need to hear the truth. And I think that I have, I wouldn't say avoided, I just haven't really been that inspired to talk about some of these topics. But if you think about it, our kids are not going to hear about God's truth anywhere other than out of our own mouths and in church and places like that. You know, we, we need to stand up for God's ways, God's righteousness, as it should be. Not in attack of others, not in con condemnation, but so that people will know, right? Just so people will know. Sometimes people don't know. They don't know God's truth. And, and it sounds mean sometimes to people. It sounds like, well, you, I don't like that. You're making me not feel very good. Well, that's, you know, there is an end to going against God's natural order, and that is death. And so now you've got this Marxist arm that's, you know, the founders of BLM, Black Lives Matter, are avowed, trained Marxists. Karl Marx was anti-God, knowingly so. He was not just an atheist. He was against God. And one of his ideas to deconstruct humanity and separate it from God as a finger in the face to God was to separate the family, to get faith out of things. And you look at BLM and do black lives matter? Of course black lives matter. But it's, isn't that subversive how that phrase has been used as an organization to bring division? So that guy wanted to separate people from God, deconstruct the family, and that's in there about us. And if we don't hold that standard up, people don't know. And again, it's not that we're trying to say that we're the Republicans and bless God, America, and gays are bad, and blacks, you can just get over it. You know, it's like you can't say that stuff. We have to approach it from a higher order, the kingdom of God. Amen? The truth of God, the righteousness of God, how he sees things, the natural order of things. So where I want to go in this series, I'm going to read through the rest of this chapter, and we'll get through it pretty quick, is thinking about where are those areas that God has called me to stand up for truth. And a lot of times when we hear stand up for truth, we hear fight. I'm not talking about that. All I'm talking about is being willing to take some shots and darts and to stand up and speak God's truth in love, but how will they know if we don't? How will they know? How will the world know what God's standard is if we don't? And when we speak the truth in love, then the Holy Spirit has something to work with. And we are ministers of the Holy Spirit. That's what we do. We preach the gospel in love. We hold up the standard of God's truth, and we don't conform ourselves. We don't give in to love is love. You know what I'm saying? Y'all with me? All right. I know it's different. I don't normally go into these kinds of things, but it's something that God has shown me and put in my heart, and I feel like it's time to say these kinds of things, right? Especially we've got an election coming up. It matters. Voting is only one area. Voting is an important area, but it's only one area that you can exercise your perspective of righteousness, right? Now, it doesn't mean that whoever you vote in is going to establish the righteousness of God in this nation, but there are specific things in each party that are closer than not. I'll just say it that way. So, now, your part. 
Your part is, God, where are you calling me to be a light for truth, to hold up that standard, to, to let people know? And again, it's not convicting and condemning. Because so, here's, here's the way truth works. Truth will set you free if you're willing to hear it. Jesus preached all the time. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Take that clue from Jesus and preach the truth in love in the same way. So you move, you, you have compassion toward people. You give them truth from love. And those who have ears to hear, let them hear. The Holy Spirit will then go in and talk to those people's hearts, right? You're, you're ministering from truth and love. You're ministering the Holy Spirit, creating an opportunity for them to then go and walk away and wrestle with the Spirit themselves and figure out and decide for themselves whether or not they're going to let themselves be influenced. But if they don't know, if they haven't heard, how will they know? Be trans So for us, transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. By the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So now, from that general collective standard, uh, we're going to break down into some specifics. So we're going to talk about in the upcoming weeks some assignments, maybe some specific things that you step into. But he kind of gives, gives an example through this next few passages of people have different roles, right? You have different roles. So by the grace God has given me, I say to every one of you, do not... Uh, next verse. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. Say one body. Each member belongs to all others. We have different gifts and gift is the word grace, which is the word capacity. Like, it's not that you have something that someone else doesn't. All of the gifts are available in you, but God might call you to operate in a gift that he calls you to operate in a different gift. But they're all in you because they're all of the one spirit. So we have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. Pretty simple, right? How many of you feel like you're, you operate in the gift of prophecy? Yeah, I've been having that conversation with a couple of people lately. You point, are you pointing at your baby? No, I'm pointing at Josh. Oh, you're pointing at Josh. <laughs> I was like, who's down there? I was, getting, I was about to get really excited if that baby was going to prophesy. <clears throat> and so I want to talk about that. You know, we'll probably have a session or two, and we'll talk about what does new covenant prophecy look like. We know that, this, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So all prophecy should testify of Jesus and not be weird, right? So we'll talk about that. That's coming. Uh, if it's serving, then serve. How many of you feel like the gift of serving is prominent in your life? Yeah, awesome. Then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. How many of you feel like the gift of teaching is something in your life? I'm taking notes, by the way. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. Encouragement? If it's giving, do you realize that? This is powerful right here. If it's giving, then give generously. That is a gift that God gives people. How many of you feel like you have the gift of generosity? You have all the gifts, but God moves on you to be, there's less hands on that one. Some of y'all should raise your hands. 
Yeah. I think Michael has taught me. Yeah. Mike so. Was very so you're so Mike. We all know Michael. Like a lot of people that don't know. Yeah, a lot of people that don't know Michael passed, yeah. and was incredibly generous, Very generous, just all the time. All the if time. I ever saw him in a restaurant around town, yeah. and he I did, paid he paid for it, yeah. Yeah. Always. always, and ju- he just was so ju- he, loved he loved to give. It just this was this was it. He was placed in this body as a giver. I, he would tell me stories, but you know what? Also, he would experience, and you guys would experience, radical uh, provision. I remember Michael was telling me one time they were sitting around the table and you guys have how many, seven, nine, nine, nine kids, nine kids. Can you imagine? Nine kids. And they're sitting at home, don't have any food. And all of a sudden this truck backs up and he's like, you guys need some food and unloads a whole bunch of food just out of nowhere, unexpected. And let me preface that. I set the table in preparation. You set the table in preparation. You didn't have any food. Then a truck shows up and delivers a bunch of food. Now, did God do that specially for them because they're givers? No. But I'll tell you this, giving trains your heart to receive. Giving is like one of the most basic ways to condition your heart to be able to expect and receive from God. I'm telling you, if you don't give, and, and you know, I'm a pastor, we want to build a building, I want you to give, in fact, I want you to write as big of a check as you possibly can. But I'm not going to make you empty promises that God's going to give you some 100-fold return because you've sown into fertile ground or any of that nonsense. It's like give under the new covenant. Give as you've purposed in your heart. If this place, if you see purpose in this ministry, give. If you think that there's fruit in this place and you desire to see it grow and thrive, give. Especially if God has moved on you to be one of these people that is generous. And there are some. Some of y'all are making a bunch of money, and God has done that so that you would be generous. Like, we start making money, and we're like, ooh, I got all this money now. You know, it's like, I gave you that for a reason. Amen? Give. If that's your gift, then give. And we all have it. Anyway, if it's to lead, do it diligently. I'm not going to ask if y'all think you're a leader. I'm kidding. How many of you feel like, I, in some capacity, I like to lead or I feel like I, yeah. <clears throat> if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Some of you guys that are just like super ooey gooey sweet, sometimes those kinds of people stand in the background. But your gift of mercy is needed. People need to feel mercy. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. And this is where we are. We hate what is evil. Or in other words, we hate what is as it ought not to be. Cling to what is good. That, go back to 9 for just a moment. So I feel like God is showing to stand up for righteousness, preach the truth against what is evil or what ought not to be, and cling to what is good. Amen? I'm going a little bit long today, I know, so just we're almost there. Next verse. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. Zeal is like focus, intense passion. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. 
Share, the, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. How many of you feel like the gift of hospitality works through you? Yeah. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Stay there for a minute, verse 14. He, he says it twice. He kind of makes sure that he wants us to get it, right? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse. Because some of us bless and then curse. Hello. And curse is a spoken negative. A curse is not you conjure a demon and you place it in their life or something like that, although some people try and do weird things like that. But a curse is a spoken negative. That's something that I feel like the Lord's working on me is like, just, you just don't, you don't need to say that. I mean, even while I'm preaching in the middle of it, sometimes I got to stop myself. You don't need to say that. It's a curse. A spoken negative is a curse. Life and death are in the power of our tongue. Be careful. Be careful. Because people are listening, especially with your children. I mean, how many of you, your parents spoke something and it just devastated you? And then you mentioned it and they were like, I, I, I don't even remember saying that. Be careful. Be careful what you say, especially to brothers and sisters. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with position of, with people of low... I wish people in government that are Christians would actually do this. Like, can you imagine congressmen that are on other sides of the aisle that actually are believers if they would put this first rather than their parties? Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. <laughs> if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, that's a whole topic right there, on the contrary of what you just said, but I'm not going to go there. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome with evil. So don't, don't be overcome with as it ought not to be. Some of us are overcome and we're overwhelmed by as it ought not to be because there are laws being passed that are as they ought not to be in God's kingdom, right? So we pray, and we vote, and we stand up, but overcome evil with good. Amen, amen, amen. So I hope you got something out of that, and we're going to go into... So I would leave you with this. Think about this this week. Here's your homework. What, go back through Romans 12 and maybe identify one of those gifts or capacities that works in you, and just acknowledge it. Think about it. Maybe even look up a few passages of what it looks like. Look in your life for opportunities to express those kinds of things, right? Because the body being the body is going to show the world that God sent Jesus for them. Amen? And then also, too, uh, where can you stand up for the righteousness of God or as it should be in love? Now, there may be opportunities. 
Lyle was telling me they were at the skate park with their kids, and there's some of those kids, probably the kids that were me when I was that age, skating around, and they just don't know any better. They're, you know, some of those kids were just darn kids. I sound old right now, I'm just mad. But, but I'm, gonna, I'm gonna describe it from the, pers- you told me a couple of things. You weren't, you weren't dishonoring, but it was this conversation in terms of, man, those kids just don't know. It's just kind of how they're raised, you know, skating around and cussing each other out and cutting in front of each other and, and probably smoking weed and, you know, whatever, all the stuff that goes on with skating. Do skaters still smoke weed? That's kind of when I was back in the day. But. <laughs> Which Jesse's dad, by the way, has a, was buddies with Mike McGill. I don't know anybody, any old school skaters. Yeah, he's got some of his original boards. It's pretty cool. I was like kind of a fanboy of Jesse's dad for just a minute there. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. Are you, are you hearing me, though? Are you feeling me? It's like, all right. We, as the body of Christ, have a mission together on this planet. We, as a church together, have a mission in our community. And it's very laser-sharp focused on the gospel. Other churches have other areas that they're called to, but we are called to be a light for the gospel, to help people know the love of God for them, to help people know God's grace, to help people know the finished work of Jesus. You know, I have people come to this church all the time and they're like, why didn't anyone ever teach me the gospel, those parts of the gospel? And we hear that all the time. And people, it's perceived as like basic and foundational, elemental, but it's not. It's deep and profound. It just really, truly is. So, you know, I just feel, it's, I feel full. I feel excited. I feel like there's mission and purpose, and I want to live intentionally. You know, I, I, I remember now I got off track back when I was telling, I distracted myself by preaching the gospel, but when Sarah and I started, we decided back in about 1995, we knew that we would start a church eventually. We knew that we'd get married, and we knew we'd start a church. About 95, we kind of started feeling it, talking about it, started the church in 2000, uh, 2008, so was that 13 years? And those 13 years weren't like, God, when are you going to give us our ministry? No, and we didn't even know about it. We just, we just like, we lived our lives. We went to ministry school to get trained. We served. We came back home. We followed the just natural leading of God and stepped into it. And so like from the decision, from the time of the decision to actual fruition was 13 years, but we were constantly moving in that direction. Things changed in that time. We changed, you know, we weren't sure where and when and how, and we, but we had a course, we had a direction, we were aiming at something. And that's what I want to leave us with today. With your life, what are you aiming at? Like, honestly, what are you aiming at? Now, knowing the gifts that work through you help keep you on course. Knowing those things that God would call you to do help keep you on course. But if you don't have something that you're aiming at, it's like driving. You know, if you're driving and you're looking at your hands or you're looking at the road right in front of you, you're, there's all these little course corrections. But if you're driving and you look into the distance, then, then you're going to be more stable. You're going to be more steady. And it's the same. What if, you walk, what if we walked around like this? We'd constantly be bumping into things, you know. But if you're walking and you're looking where you're going, then all these little details here you're not worried about that little thing that's there. You're not, you know, you might stub your toe. You might even fall down because you're looking ahead. But you have a direction. You have an aim. You have somewhere you're going. That's what I want to establish over the next few weeks for us is like, what are we doing? 
God loves you. God created you to be his child. That's your purpose. Your purpose in life is not to try to figure out this narrow bullseye that God wants you to do. And if you don't hit that bullseye, then you're not fulfilling God's plan for your life and you're just worthless. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about as a secure child of God, accepted in heaven, loved by your Father, complete in Christ, full of the Holy Spirit, now you're living for a purpose. Like, why do you get out of bed in the morning? Honestly, why bother getting out of bed in the morning? Well, you have to, but what is it that you're actually living for? Amen? Let's stand up. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the opportunity to to be with each other, to express, to know your love for us and love on each other and preach the gospel and have our businesses and have our children and do fun things that we like to do and travel and all of that. We thank you for all of that stuff, Lord, but I want to focus a little bit more. It's an important time in our world. The world needs confident Christians following after you, and I want to be that type of Christian. If that's you, just lift up your hand. I want to be the kind of Christian that is laser-focused on following you. I want to live intentionally. I want to live with a sense of purpose. I want to get out of bed with a mission and work to do to experience the increase of your kingdom. I do it from a place of acceptance. I do it from a place of the finished work of Jesus. I'm not doing it to try to get you to show up in my life. I'm working with you. I'm collaborating with you and your spirit to see the increase of your kingdom in my life and my family's life, my job and my friend circle and the world around me. God, I, I want to have a reason to get out of bed and live. Father, we just thank you for that opportunity to live from purpose and to live purpose-filled lives and make a difference for your kingdom. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this heart journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.